Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Tuesday show. This is your host, Tim TK, joined by Aaron Humphreys and Quentin Bedwell. So, today's subject, we're going to be talking about, do we like it fresh or nostalgic? Uh, in in comics, especially in, uh, going between the, the main two, DC and Marvel, and then uh, other presses, and then further out to indies, especially, you see a difference of having these very long, uninterrupted runs, um, or even if they, they'll just bring out new staff and change things up, but you'll have... You know, the same in theory, this the same title that's been running from 1960 to 1999. Um, and uh, but if you go towards the indies, uh, you, you might just see something coming out only once as a graphic novel or as a collection of trades. Um, and then in the middle there with Image and Dark Horse, you might see a title that only runs for a year, gets its trade, and that's it. Um, and so we're going to talk about uh, what what we like uh, out of sort of uh, every publication schedule we've seen, what we like about them, what we don't, what we think uh, is the best for us as readers, as creators. Uh, and uh, if if the fresh factor of having something just brand new that's only out for you know one year and it's that's the whole story, or if we like the nostalgic factor of having something come back year after year where you know X Men runs for a while, stops for a it comes back. And and we get we get the same characters that we grew up with, so I'm going to open up the floor and uh, let you guys uh, share your thoughts first. Well, I would uh, before we go any farther, I'd like to say that there's some stuff that you know. Uh, this is the thing: if if you like something and you like it a lot you probably don't want to see it change. But other people that may not care about certain thing, they may feel like it, you know, feel like it's ready for an update because it really doesn't speak to them and they want something that's a little more like what they're looking for. So, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say. I have my own personal opinions of what I would like to see redone or, there's some stuff that's just classic that I love, you know, but then there's other stuff that I'm not as, you know, I never really got into very much. So I sure wouldn't mind it being updated or, you know, something. So, uh, that make any sense to anybody? Yeah. I, I kind of felt that way when they did, uh, but I may, I may say a book like blue beetle or something, or, you know, a character like blue beetle. I may say something. And there's like, Hundreds of thousands of fans that love Blue Beetle before he got killed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they they that's their Blue Beetle, and they don't want him different. They don't want him changed. They, matter of fact, they want him to come back and all that kind of stuff. Is he back? I don't even know if he's back. Is that care? Is I mean, I know they have a Blue Beetle, but is it the same guy? I think it's a different one. one. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's different. Uh, different guy. Just like the, some living armor that anybody can kind of wear, or am yeah. I thinking of something else? Yeah, the living. Be yeah, less... but people got tied to that character though. Yeah. Uh, the character that was actually at being the Blue Beetle. Uh, and a lot of people hated to see him get killed. Yeah. Especially the way he did. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I, I know for me, that was... Uh, I could not get into Aquaman the lawn running uh, like singles. Uh, or uh, I liked him in like, you know, the, the storylines that he was a part of for some parts of it, mostly Darkest Night, but I couldn't get into Aquaman at all. Uh, but they did uh, a limited uh, two-issue thing as part of Future State, where it wasn't the same Aquaman, it was technically Aqualad, now Aquaman. And um, uh, Aquaman's daughter as the main characters, but uh, I really dug that. For me, that was my Aquaman experience, and I was perfectly fine with it just being a a, fresh, limited two-issue story. I didn't want it to mm-hmm. go beyond that. That was that was great. Uh, if they tried uh, dragging it out into another lawn running thing, I probably would have lost interest in it. You yeah. know, it's funny. I never understood since Aquaman in Atlantis, he's you know inspired by the King Arthur legend, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they never tried to do any sort of Knights of the Round table for Aquaman. I always thought that would be cool if they were like a bunch of like yeah. underwater knights. That were like under ruled by him, like he ruled yeah. these. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like that'd be kind of cool. I mean, each one maybe had like a could freeze water or move. I don't know. I mean, you could do all sorts of cool stuff. I think there's a lot of. I mean, I think if you lean in the Aquaman's um, Arthurian legend uh, sort of influence, you could do some really cool stuff for that character. But but no, they'd rather he just talk to fishes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. what year and do you prefer? Um... Uh, having those uh, long range series or um, periodic reboots, or are you are you more into just the, you know, single set story done or something, just keeping things new every so often, not really going back and checking in older titles? I, you know, pretty much, I would say the way I read a lot of stuff, I have my sort of runs, like with the X Men, I read the Claremont stuff, and then after Claremont left, it just every once in a while I'll go back and read some stuff, Hickman stuff. I know a lot of people really like it; it mm-hmm. just didn't do that much to me. Uh, for me, I mean, it was okay. I mean, it had some interesting ideas. Um, and then there was stuff before that. I read the X Men, and I was just like, no, I, I kind of like. And I'm not saying it wasn't bad. I just kind of got yeah. my fill of it during the Claremont era. And it's like, and I, that's the way I'll read things. So instead of going back, I have certain segments of certain long running series that I like, mm-hmm. and I just kind of like, I'll either reread those or just like I'll read those, like with the Avengers. Um, I think I read the George Perez stuff and liked that, and so I just considered that was my sort of. Avengers scope, like mm-hmm. for the classic Avengers, I like the Ultimates, and then that was it. Um, if there's other Avengers comics, I'll, I'll pick them up. I pick some stuff up that like uh, Frank Cho did. It's like who's the artist on? I don't know who the writer was. Um, it was okay. I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of read those. I'm like, okay, I think I've gotten my sort of version. Which I yeah. and of course a lot of stuff I read is like the sort of cream of the crop. What they say of uh, um, stuff like Wonder Woman. I went back and read like George Perez's Phil. Yemez, I think that's how you say mm-hmm. his name. Um, and then Simon Gail Simone. Is it Gail Simone? Yeah, Gail Simone, I've read yeah. hers and then uh, Frank Byrne stuff. I liked it. But would I ever want to go back and read every single thing in it? No. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I pick and choose stuff. Um, but I don't mind. It is interesting. I will say it was interesting uh, for Wonder Woman to read, uh, you know, um, 
George Perez's stuff because he kind of redid that character a lot and then kind of moved through the decades of sort of the best of collections to see how that's changed. Yeah. Um, but whether I prefer the new or the old, I don't know. I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Well, I think uh, um, particularly you're talking about like um, keeping your reading list fresh. So uh, I know for me, like I, I, uh, I have like, I'll follow X-Men, but I'll get it as trades. I don't really do the singles. But yeah, uh, I, I, I much rather have, like, if someone like came to me and was like, we have this new story, uh, but it's only going to be worth, like, 12 months or 24 months, so you just need to buy either, like, four trades or one hardback, and you collected the entire thing. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah. new X-Men did that. I think it was, wasn't like Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. Yeah. Like, he did. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Well... Uh, I'd say too. You know, if it's good, it's good to have a long run. But at the same time, you know, even though there's good parts and bad parts, you know, the bad part of that is is somebody that's fresh coming in. You know, they they have to go go get back issues mm-hmm. and just hope yeah. they can get them. You yeah. know, so that's kind of the problem with that. You know, and a lot of times, what I find myself doing is I'll pick up something or a couple, you know, books or whatever. And if it's really good, I will get the trade. And, uh, yeah. but see, that's not really helping the company <laughs> if I'm waiting for the trade, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that could go into the argument, you know, are floppies, I mean, should right. we just stick with trades more than, and, you know, go straight to floppies? Because I know that too, like, a lot of times you're not buying the floppies and you're probably not going to get the trades or the story's not going to last as long because they mm-hmm. really judge the popularity and sales of the book and the floppies and then they collect them later on the trades. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it also kind of gets to, uh, I think it might be an interesting question. Uh, do you think having a, a longer running series uh, where the, staff will, the staffing will change on it, uh, do you think the... Um, quality suffers at some points because everyone is always like you know you have those moments where uh people who read i assume like okay you want to read uh some of this from claremont you want to read this arc from brubaker and you want to read this bit from miller but they never tell you like read the entire thing no it's like here are these arcs or here are these six months segments that are worked on by different people uh whereas um if someone writes a book in mind um it's going to be very limited uh, because you do hear people recommend like read six criminals in its entirety and it's like what six trades um, right uh, uh, so they're not telling you to click the whole thing but they'll say like this entire book read it whereas if you're talking about like uh, what in theory the X-Men being the same book they tell you to read specific arcs so do you think uh, on some of those longer runs or if the staffing changes on something quality might diminish I think it does. I've seen that uh, myself, mostly in the art, uh, but sometimes in the writing. Um, I was not. I like. I remember a lot of people really liked. What was it? Uh, the guy did Firefly. He did the X Men for a while. Uh, Joss Whedon. Yeah. Joss the Whedon. astonishing. Uh, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I just didn't do anything for mm-hmm. me. It, you know, everybody says like back to the classic X Men. I remember reading some of that and just being like, I just, I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. I think the thing about long-running arcs is I think if if a story is ongoing, it shifts from plot to character. And yeah. I think it almost has to. I think 
you cannot tell a plot driven story if there's technically no end. It mm-hmm. just it just doesn't work because the plot you're buying into the plot to see how it'll be resolved. But if you're not ever resolving it in these continuing adventures, then it goes down the characters, and that's just a shift in storytelling. And I think certain genres work better at that. Yeah, uh, superheroes and stuff work better as character driven. I sometimes I think fantasy can, but that's a, that's a fifty fifty. Yeah, uh, like Lord of the Rings could have gone forever. Well, I think it would be kind of annoying the readers if we never got the ring to Mount Doom. Yeah. Like, if we didn't see that, because that was the plot of the yes. whole book. And they'd get so, tired of a new problem every so often, like a, right. yeah. like these ongoing series. It's like every season there's a new big bad, and like, yeah. man, come on. <laughs> you know? Like, if you had, like, a thousand on Saruman's before he got to Mount Doom and Sauron, people would have just given up. Yeah. Um, I think... I think but I think that's one that, like, I think horror works better in short stories. Horror mm. to me is more plot-driven. Yeah. I mean, I feel that way. Stephen King may change, but I still think it's kind of plot-driven. Sci-fi, I think, I think is very heavily plot-driven in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, Dark Science uh, could not have gone on longer than it did, I felt like. Yeah, there was, yeah, yeah I think I, I did read Dark Science. or Was it Black Science? Black Science, yes. Black Science. Um, and the funny thing is, is it started out strong, and then it kind of just... I just completely lost interest in it because I'm just like, okay, I'm kind of like, like you promise this sort of like what you're doing and then you just kind of meander around. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of like a dark version of Quantum Leap. Yeah. They keep jumping around to different realities. Um, but again, I think, and I, you know, I don't know, TV series are the same way. I mean, TV series are another thing, but uh, you know, I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. So would TV... I almost say TV series might be more concept driven than character driven. Like I been I was watching Knight Rider the other night. <laughs> they have it on late at night at some. But you don't watch Knight Rider for Michael Knight or really the car. You watch it for the concept of the cool I car. I do. Do you watch for Michael Knight? I love the Hawk. Well, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> but I'm trying to think some of these like. Like, Star Trek is very much... Well, under Ray Bradbury, Star Trek was very plot-driven and concept-driven than character-driven. It was after he passed that they became... Next Generation was focused more on character. Yeah. People, I have a friend that was conflicted about that. I've had people who conflicted. I didn't mind it. I thought it was a pretty even split uh, between that series. But I know a lot of old Star Trek fans don't like the newer Star Treks because they did focus much more on character than on the sort of ideas of, like, these short science fiction stories of them exploring. Yeah. Um. Uh. So it was. I don't know. I'd almost say TV is maybe one of those weird ones that might be kind of concept driven in a way a little bit. But yeah. there are character driven ones too. I don't know. That's an interest. In other words, X Files is a good one. The concept of FBI agents, you know, exploring supernatural is a cool concept. But it's also very character driven too. Modern scholar are very strong. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I don't know. That's an interesting concept. I I would I would t- that would be one I'd have to look at. I think that would be case by case basis. I definitely think it comes down to the team that's working on something, um, because you know we we do get those arcs where they recommend like you know like oh you got to read uh you know uh Miller's Batman or whatever, and uh, Miller is very good at you know mixing strong characters that you need to have you know people come back to essentially see the same good guy versus the same bad guy that you've seen 30 times already. 
Yeah. But uh, but uh, does it in such a way and has an, a knowledge of working the plot around his characters to make it all seem newer and good. Um, so uh, yeah. and so you know with shows you, you have those showrunners so uh, who can make you know their show sound out and that's how you get things like X Files or um, uh, Breaking Bad uh, uh, where uh, it all just kind of seems to gel really well. Uh, yeah. on, on the flip side of you know uh, uh, Tolkien and uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Tolkien's a very good um, plot writer and very good, very good at expo- exposition. But I definitely feel like we had some better uh, character moments almost in the movies. Whereas yeah. we had uh, on the other hand, you have like Ari Salvatore and thirty something Drist books later, uh, because uh, everyone like you know he you don't see the same bad guys necessarily, but everyone comes back because they want to see what Drist does next because Drist is the focus as the as the main character. Yeah, which is a very character driven. Yeah. It's it's more an adventure because I'm thinking even from the. The, he's more of a Conan character, like mm-hmm. and fantasy can do. I mean, you know, Conan is another one of those classic. Like, yeah, it's all about the character, about exploring this 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 barbarian, um, and there's no overarching plot except this new adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that was facilitating about needing a new story for an ongoing. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe the better question is like ongoing stuff. What do you guys feel about serialized stuff? Do you prefer like serialized stories that go a long time or do you prefer maybe having a format like Shonen Jump where they have stories that run that collect stories and one story run like so long and then in another story coming to take its place but the magazine itself keeps going mm. like an anthology yeah Heavy Metal yeah. does this I think a little bit Heavy Metal's more independent stories but I think there's been a few Heavy Metal magazines where they continue the stories yeah uh Judge Dread was Judge Dread was that way. I think was it was it twenty one AD. Uh, was that a magazine? It yeah, used to be stripped. Two thousand AD, and they're still publishing, so you can still. They're actually one of the. If you're a writer, they're one of the better ones to pitch to, um, uh, because they don't require you to send in like any art at all or have any like art proofs. It's literally just short chops as a writer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I know there was a guy that was uh, from France who's kept submitting to them, and I don't know if he got in. Or not? Doesn't Grant Morrison own it now? I don't know, actually. I think Eastman, Eastman from Ninja Turtles bought it, and I think he sold it to Grant Morrison. I think people were strange enough yeah. complaining that they um, yeah, uh, covering up the woman, like there was yeah, lack of nudity, <laughs> and that was a big. Uh, did you guys see that about Tarja, uh, the lady at the end of the heavy metal movie, the one who writes the big pterodactyl? Mm-hmm. And in one of the magazines, they show her like in a full, like more bodysuit of armor. And I was like, okay, whatever. But people were really upset because that's like, well, no, she's supposed to be in a bikini. And I'm like, I thought it was a little weird because I'm like, uh, I just assume as a warrior, she would dress however works best. Um, but that well, day, people really got like upset with that. I remember that being that. Well, before. yeah, they were pretty upset. But then they were really upset when they, when the guy started berating all of them and saying, you know, oh, you guys want to see his boobs grow oh, up yeah. and all that stuff. You know, it's like, dude, you can't talk to fans that way. You know, uh, oh, yeah. it's kind of like the, the, the new that. thing that people are doing now when they release crappy stuff is 
you know, my crappy stuff that I created isn't the problem. It's your likes are off. Your likes are the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and when they do that, when they go after fans, man, it's always like, you know, what are you doing, dude? It's like, you're crazy. You know, uh, it's funny, that... I guess this kind of conversation is maybe a little around the big He-Man. I haven't seen the new He-Man cartoon. I've heard enough of it that... I, I heard that it's not great. <laughs> it's not great. I, the, you know, strange enough, the one I wanted to see, and I finished, apparently you can watch it all on YouTube, was a 2012 no, yeah. reboot. That one I thought was pretty cool. I like. I, I mean, everything I've seen of it, and apparently I've read that they actually ended the story. So even though it's two seasons, there's like a, a definite ending. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. Hmm. Um... I, I, you know, I haven't watched it. I mean, I like. Strange enough, He Man has changed before, which I find weird. When um they first, I don't know if you guys, how much you guys collected He Man or knew it. When they first um started releasing him, and I bought him. I bought the toys before they brought out the cartoon. Which that's how it went. It was like I watched this like history of He Man, and they they did something where it was like they started selling these crazy figures. And it's like, well, what's the story behind him? And the guy's like, uh, we're going to include a comic book with each figure. And then he went back and said, I guess we've got to create a comic book and stuff. So they, like, made this stuff up on the fly. <laughs> yeah. But the original concept of the He-Man was just, like, he was just, like, this sort of barbarian Conan-like character who wanted to land. And I, I, I think he got his power by putting on that strap thing that gave him his power. No. And yeah, power his cord. his items were the source of all his, his power. power. And then when, yeah. the, when the cartoon came along, then they changed. They retconned all that stuff yeah. totally uh totally changed it but see the the this is the deal with stuff like that you take a character like he-man superman i don't care i don't batman i don't care what kind of character you're talking about people look at these characters that are in the american psyche and they are just like people to them and like when you start fooling around with their race and established base character traits that uh, you know or you kill them <laughs> you know that's another big deal if you kill them it's just like you killed a person because let me tell you they have the same uh here's the example I told somebody the other day you know people look at these characters just like they they think of Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. Nobody's ever met George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. We see them on the bills and we read about them in the history books. They're like characters almost, even though they were real live people, you know, and people get close to those people and just like they do characters. Uh, and so whenever you just flippantly kill them off or change them, you change their race, you change their, uh, you know, their, whatevers you know i don't want to get it real deep into this this all the stuff they do nowadays uh you know people really get mad and there's some people who don't care as much and they were like you know well it's due for an update it's kind of like what i said at the beginning people that don't really care they're like yeah let's let's take he-man and make him like us or make him like this and make him like that but see, then the problem is, is there's all these people who have grown up with He-Man, George Washington, being George Washington, He-Man being He-Man. And all of a sudden, you're changing core character things about them or killing them. And then, you know, people get up in arms. I don't blame them. 
Uh, you know, I, I don't I blame her. I never understood why they just didn't make up something new like He-Man. That's what I always just like. You would think as a writer, I know they're trying to tap into an already established fan base, but if you make something, you know, pretty close to He-Man, that's like, you know, I mean, how many Thunder Yeah, make something new. Stuff? If you yeah, want to do that, make something writer, new. But this is the problem, is that this crap they're selling won't get to that level. They have to take something that's already existing, that's popular, and put their little their little stuff on it because yeah. nobody's buying what they're selling. You know, uh, so that's that. You know, that's a simple question. Why don't you just make a new character? A new Superman that's not called Superman that's all these things you want him to be and put it out, you know, just like like we're doing here with new stories like uh, yeah. Brother Tim's doing really with uh, Wolf Hunter and like, you know, you're doing with Godlings. Why not yeah. do that? Well, they don't want to do that. They want to take something that's existing, that's in the American psyche, that's, you know, everybody loves and they want to change it because that's the only way they can you know, it's do their stuff. Fan base, but if they betray the fan base and they don't buy the stuff. And that's yeah, they just doing. end up messing people over. And you know what? They don't really care because this is a, a character that they never cared about to start with. So they don't really, you know, they don't really care if they mess up a character's or a franchise at Star Wars. They don't really care if they mess up a star, you know, the Star Wars, <laughs> you know, lore and stuff. They don't care because do they never really cared have, to start with. Do you guys ever have? See, I usually, I, I usually never get too terribly upset at that stuff because I just assume, to me, like I have the old stuff I like. Like I'm a big mm -hmm. fan of Tron, right? And the new Tron, I actually like the new Tron, but they changed a bunch of things. Like, eh, okay, it's kind of different. I don't like, but I'm like, I always have my old Tron. I could always go back yeah. and watch what I liked. I think sometimes, and I also realize the idea of striking, you know, lightning striking twice is kind of rare. Yeah. Where I'm like, if, if somebody makes something, like they're making a new Highlander, and I'm just like everybody, and I, I'm not a big, I, Clancy Brown, I even talked this in the last stream, was like, I, I just, he's like the guy who played the Kurgan, and you can't replace him. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, should I be upset they're making a new Highlander to get up in arms? No, because I could just go back and watch the old Highlander, mm -hmm. which I liked. Yeah. Uh, like, so it's like I, I, I've never really quite understood if you like something and they do something new and it's not your liking, then it's like, okay, then then apparently they just didn't do it right and you can go back to your old stuff. What's really interesting is also uh, how things kind of get flipped when you do, if you make like appropriate changes. Uh, like Dean and I were talking about this and we're both interested in the new Highlander pretty well, uh, both being fans of the older one, but... Uh, uh, Dean does competition like sport, Shotokan karate. I do kickboxing and uh, right. <laughs> competition fighting. And uh, if you go back and watch the old like high end movie uh, or the TV show, if you have any understanding of fight mechanics, uh, uh. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they were, yeah. there was much more into the concept behind them yes. being immortal than they were about like the sword play. But uh, oh, yeah, the the way that it looks like doing this, this new one is they're uh, trying to put a lot of uh, emphasis on um, uh, the character of McLeod and really kind of flesh that out. But at the same time, there's they're doing a lot of due diligence in making you know the fighting right. So like they've been like videos of like them doing like you know sport fencing training and all this other stuff. So we're 
we're very interested to see if they can pull off that that perfect combination of you know i I am totally down with all that you know and especially what you said going back to what you said Aaron. i'm totally down with all that but if you say and this is the way he-man was coined same thing with star wars this is picking up this is the way they they got everybody excited this is going to continue the filmation he-man this is going to pick up where it left off Mm -hmm. yeah okay well that that's what they said but whenever it came whenever it dropped that it was obvious this is not the filmation characters this is not filmation tila this is not filmation uh you know at, at star wars where yeah. they were continuing the story you know so again of an, an issue you know uh they took you know um luke skywalker and instead of making him a, a bastion of hope in dark times you know they changed him into a crusty old man, mm-hmm. you know, that was tired of everything. You know, I mean, they just totally killed that, literally killed that character and changed him. You know, I'm okay with them doing other stories in Star Wars and, mm-hmm. hey, you do what you want to. But whenever you're saying that you're taking these characters and you're, you know, it's fine for reboots, but if you're saying that you're going to take the existing characters that are already established and you're saying, well, we're going to write out the rest of their thing and it doesn't match that character. Now, characters do grow. I'm not saying that. But, you know, if you take them in directions that is totally the antithesis of the character they were before you put your hands on it, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you shouldn't do that. So against, yeah, uh, I, I just technically ignore it. I mean, I just ignore the new Star Wars movies. I just assume... Yes. Uh, my, to me, I was like, Star Wars, the original movies, are really about Darth Vader. That was his story. And when he died at the Return of the Jedi, um, that was that was kind of it. The story ended. I for, mean, there was just not yeah. much more to do. For, for so me, I'm my these, Star Wars... Like, so when people do stuff with Luke Skywalker and new stuff and they upset, I'm just like, I just ignore it. Yeah, I could just, for, for me, yeah, I could just stop watching a series that Return of the Jedi. My, my Star Wars exists in the Legends lore. Like, all my stuff that isn't yeah. like the... <laughs> I'm like, I mean, that's that's my Star Wars. I do like the stuff that Kevin Feige and John and John Bavro are doing. And yes. I'm very yeah. glad that they got put yeah. in charge of everything. I'm bringing that sucker back, man. Yeah. I love what they're doing. But yeah, uh, for me, like, I don't think, for me, the Disney exists as the like fan fiction where like legends, you know, like even even the weird clone Palpatine arc that they tried to borrow for Disney, the the, the one they did in the comics, <laughs> that's my Star Wars. Um, so yeah. I guess then uh, to kind of uh, get us back on track here. Yeah. We'll so then, get way up. <laughs> so then, would you say one of the pitfalls of having these? Uh, either long running or rebooted series, especially when you have to switch out the teams working on it, is that they're going to um, miss or uh, sort of jank up, you know, existing core features. Whereas if you were to uh, do something that you know, like we have two years to tell a story and then it's, it ends, there's no more. Um, uh, do you think that that? Uh, you know, almost that forces them to focus more in on getting, making sure the characters are the same throughout those two years before they, you know, pull the cord on them. 
Say that again. So I would just say one like, of, one of the pitfalls for having like a long running series or something that gets rebooted consistently is that they'll miss uh uh like core details as time goes on. Oh, yeah. Whereas I something mean, that uh, is like you know you only have two years to tell your story kind of forces you to be more hyper focused on making sure those details are consistent throughout those two years. Yeah, I think if you are you know only have so much time to do it, you have to you know kind of stick to it. I mean the thing about uh, Claremont, like, I'm using Claremont. So the X Men, Chris Claremont's X Men is kind of really the only long running series I ever read. Mm-hmm. I never read the Avengers or any other Marvel or DC stuff. I just read the X-Men because I thought they were cool. Um, So that's my only reference. So if I keep bringing that up, it's not because I'm ignoring the other stuff. I just haven't read the other stuff when I was a kid, though. Um, But he was also really good at doing subplots. Mm -hmm. And I I do think long-running series can do subplots really well. But I can see that if it's in a story where there's an obvious goal... Like again, Lord of the Rings is bringing the ring to the mountain, and they kept wandering off and doing subplots. That might get kind of old after a while, because um, if you're buying, if you if you're making, you know, uh, getting the reader to buy into the concept of what's going to happen at the end, and you keep postponing the end, then it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. But then there's also you know the supernatural series where apparently is written to be five seasons long. Yeah, and you can when they, tell it, when it, it goes over that. <laughs> Yeah, and the first five seasons are like fantastic, and then, of course, you know, it was making tons of money, so it's like, well, we got to continue this. And then I watched a lot of the later seasons; they just kind of meander around. Like apparently, that story was just done at season five. There was not, there's just not really anything. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of cool stuff you could do, but you know, you can't count that. I mean, it's serious. How many times the brother died, came came back to life, and all this? Yeah, that that mess just got increasingly campy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just, you know, who's dying this time? Yeah, uh, and to the point. And so I think that could almost be a detriment, especially in movies, if you do like a really good series that has an ending. And then it's so popular that, you know, people are like, we want to make money, so we need to make more. Um, I think that can kind of ruin a series. Star Wars, I think, was a perfect example of that. That, that, that story was just done, at least for the Luke Skywalker story. I mean, it was done in Return of the Jedi. I mean, it was just... I don't know. I mean, you could have done more stuff, but I, I there was and there's been a few movies. Highland is a classic one. They did sequels to that movie. That that story was completely closed. I mean, there was yeah, no real I like the first sequel. one and I like the series, but all this other stuff they did, they really yeah. that talk about one that should have gave up the ghost yeah. when it had you know when it was good, you know. Uh, sometimes, like some of these people say, leave them wanting more. Uh, they ought to practice a little more of that but the problem is something comes out and it's successful and then they've got to add two more three more whatever things to it and run it in the ground that's you know honestly like one of my biggest concerns uh like what i'm worried for uh with the fact that they're the how much they're extending john wick yeah so far i've loved all the john wick so far but if they keep on going i feel like they might get to a point where it's just like okay it's just fast and the furious now (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I was I really thought they ended that three, and when they actually made it to a four, I'm to the point if he doesn't end it with four, then I, I'm kind of like I like I really like John Wick. Yeah, and I understand he keeps raising the stakes, but I, I just think you kind of need to throw in the. T- I mean, it's getting good, but after four, if you're not ending that series, mm-hmm. 
I mean, you got a whole universe do another assassin or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought for sure after he went off that building, you know, it's like, it can't end there, but at the same time, you know. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to bring down the Continental, apparently, and all that. So it's, you know, he's got it. They've got to kind of end. I'm surprised they're making a Matrix 4. Um, I'd be curious to know. I I mean, I'm a big fan of the Matrix. It's probably one of my favorite trilogies. Mm -hmm. But that is one that I'm just like, it was good for what it was. It, It closed, it ended. I'm curious well, what I think they you want could, to do with it. I, I think you could tell more stories in that in world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so there's that. I do say that. But, you know, if they're going back and rehashing stuff, I, I'll i be, you know, I'll show up to see what they do. But, man, it's like a, a slippery slope there. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know. I'm not, I really don't know what to expect from another matrix i mean they always hinted that neo i mean in the story that he can come back like there's multiple iterations of him mm-hmm. right um but i just don't know if you really need to tell the stories of the iterations of him yeah. um i mean it was just like you know the whole i mean the whole thing about the original movies you know trinity was the one that broke that cycle mm-hmm. i mean she was very basically mary magdalene to jesus christ she was the one that broke the cycle and got him to actually, you know, so I don't know what else they can do. But again, you know, it's it's kind of a bummer because I, sometimes I see, you know, the Wasowski siblings and I think they are, they haven't had huge hits lately. And so mm-hmm. they're like, well, I guess we can go back to the thing that made us popular. And my point is like, yeah, but you could also end up ruining it too. I don't know. I'm yeah. curious. I've always really do... enjoyed the movies. Did they do Jupiter so. Ascending? Yeah. Okay. For, I, honestly, like, I'd much rather they go back and try to fix that because <laughs> I like the concept, I, you know, but I did, did not execute. It did not execute, but some of the concepts I thought, like, I really liked the idea. I mean, there were a lot of cool, like, so it hasn't been done in science fiction before, but the fact that, you know, humans are basically being cattled and mm-hmm. being ra- It was a lot of really cool stuff. I love the way they did, like, the starships. Like, they're actually, like, these royal chariots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of the really cool stuff were great. in this. Yeah. yeah I, I actually, I really liked his, like, like space skates. The skates that skated. <laughs> I thought that was cool. I mean, there was yeah. just a lot of really cool stuff in that movie, and I felt like, like, you could have been two movies or kind of pushed out. I think they compressed that story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have done a movie with like each of the four families, like one yes. movie for four yeah. families. I mean, you could have, but they compressed it down. Um, but I actually thought, for what it was, um, I thought it was good. I love the idea of like them mixing like animal genetics and human genetics. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of cool stuff in that movie. And the fact that but... they didn't kill Sean Bean. Yeah, <laughs> I know he's the only one that survived. Didn't wow, he? Didn't he yeah. Actually... Wasn't it something like he would the one scene he looked like he died, but he didn't? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. <laughs> All right. That's, uh, that's one of those movies that I was going to see, going to see, and then I came in right in the middle of it when I went to somebody's house, and so then I went back and watched it, and it seemed like what I did was I watched different sections of the movie <laughs> at different times and just kind of kind of worked out in my head how everything ended up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Right, I've done yeah, that. It's a little weird. Movies. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, kind of going back to or uh, was it Quentin said you know and end them with wanting more. Where I think, yeah. Uh, my favorite example of that recently, and I, I know they they uh, talked about doing a second one, but as far as I know, it, it's still kind of up in the air. 
is the movie adaptation of Alita Battle Angel. I thought mm. they did a really good job. I was I was I haven't a seen it surprised. yet, but that's okay with your if you want to give spoilers. <laughs> I have it. I actually have it on my watch list, but okay. I haven't watched it yet. Well, say, oh, the, the, like... If you've read the manga, the story's so old. I mean, I yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's the uh, obviously there's there's room to continue on, but I feel like as one movie and like they they did the thing where they ended with like there's room for more, but they hinted what she's going to do. So like. Yeah, I'm. That's cool. I dig that. The, but you know, it's funny when they brought out that movie. That's like when they tried to do Dragon Ball Z movie. Oh. I mean, if you there's a part of me that's like, if you do a sequel to Battle Angel, oh my god, that's a huge series because there's the original yes. five volumes of like big, and then it continues on. Yeah. And I don't know if you ended it, but it goes way off into space it, or whatever. It, it trails, but you know, the and the fact that they it seemed like they knew that they had too much material to like fully depth, so they they knew they're going to end yeah. on kind of a so they didn't compress it they let they they gave it like the breath that it needed yeah they did i think if that was to get a sequel i think they could actually end it with one more movie mm-hmm. um and i think they could just do I, I you know i'd be curious i was surprised they continued it um because i was like once they continued i was like oh man that is a lot of movie if they're willing because i mean that movie literally is the manga mm-hmm. the first few books i mean it's pretty accurate down to the i mean he puts pulls and scenes and other stuff and kind of compressed them in there but for the most part it's a straight story no yeah so when he did that you know because I, I really like that and then i saw the ending i'm like wow that's gonna be a lot of movies dude <laughs> <laughs> i mean if he wants to do that i'm like and make it accurate i was like uh um I would be. I would love it if, if they did a sequel. Um, I don't think it's super. I strangely enough, I would love it if it just got like a straight up another anime mm, series. Yeah, because they only had the OVA, which I think James Cameron, who did it, I don't think he was his fan. I think he was a fan of the manga, but I think he was much more of a fan of the OVA. Yeah. Uh, and I think the movie pretty much adapted that. Yeah. You know, which was the first manga book. So it's uh, yeah. I, I don't know. That was one. I, I I could see that leading to an anime series. Um, yeah, I would love if they got. And there's people who have been trying to get a sequel made of that. Um, it's probably one of the only anime adaptions I've seen that I I liked. Um, that I thought was pretty accurate. The other one that yeah. everyone hated because of other issues. I actually didn't mind the Ghost in the Shell one too mm-hmm. much. Um, I was a fan of the you know the comic and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the way they kind of twisted some of the stuff around, it never bothered me too much that Scarlett Johansson was playing there because I'm just kind of like, that goes and shows some obscure concept. Even in, 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 it, it's anime, it's becoming obscure. I mean, ask mm-hmm. some other kid, you heard a ghost in the show? And they're like, no, what's that? And I'm like, it used to be like every time it was an anime, it's like a Kieran ghost in the show, everyone has seen and knew about it. Now yeah. it's not becoming that. So I understood, like, look, if you're going to sell this movie and even break even with the money you need to come bring in, you need to put a box office movie star in the bowl. Yeah. Um, and so I understood that. And so they kind of worked around it. Um, I, I didn't think it was too bad. It, they dumbed it down a lot. But, mm-hmm. you know, for what it was, I thought they attempted it. Um, the anime movie's much better. For sure. I, uh, for a lot of the scenes, uh... uh yeah, I also recommend people uh, check out because like even even DBZ had has like fifty years of TV show, but it has some pretty decent movies. I'm like you know just watch you know the movie adaptation with the cell arc and uh, the uh, Saiyan trilogy where that ends with Broly. Like 
Yeah. Yeah, like you're going to you're going to get much more out of this than if you try to like slog through what made up, you know, my Saturday mornings. Well, that's what they did with Kai, didn't that? Yeah, Kai Kai Kai, Kai bridged it by a bit, but it's still I mean, Bridge and Dragon Ball Z is still, you know, putting out something longer than Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. That yeah, it, it is not a short series by any stretch of the means. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, so strange enough, a long-running series talking about nostalgia. Like, I'm not a huge James Bond fan, but what do you think of series like that, where it's like this is a character that they just keep doing? Mission Impossible is becoming like the James oh, Bond yeah. series. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll see. Where they actually have movies actually almost trying to mimic a television show. That's what I almost see with Mission Impossible. It's trying to mimic mm-hmm. a TV series and movies. Yeah. Which I'm like. I, but the thing about the movies is there's not really a follow through with the Ethan Hunt character. I mean, you can no. pick any one and watch it and be like, yeah, it's totally fine. It's, yeah, it's all standalone. I think, honestly, uh, I got burned out on James Bond going into Daniel Craig. So I don't. If I watch yeah. them, I watch them, but I, uh, it's there's too much. Uh,. Whereas you know, Mission Impossible, I still watch because they I, they have uh, especially with, like the last two, they have accepted that they are not good movies; they're just there to be a fun time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you get Henry Henry Cavill reloading his biceps in the middle of a bathroom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, honestly, like I think uh, in terms of that, you know that that flavor of movie, I much rather prefer the Bourne series because. You know, yes, yeah. The first, like the Born trilogy, like it has a set beginning and ending. Like, all right, this is the story of Jason Born, and then they did the one off, and like, that, that's okay. It's interesting. But uh, I did not like the one off. I actually, I was kind of excited when they brought him back for the fourth one, mm-hmm. and then I watched it, and I was like, eh, it was okay. Yeah, the first three just kind of. I mean, you see the end, and then the first three were great, and then yeah. they tried. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's kind of uh. Yeah, those are much, I think, better. Yeah, and we'll not mention the fact that James Bond literally tells the exact same story every movie. Uh, you know, he goes on the mission, he meets a girl, he gets the girl, he saves the world. I mean, they had, I don't think they've really changed that, except Daniel Craig, I think, has changed that a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a strange one, you know, James Bond, because it has seen so many actors. Oh, God, yeah. It's almost like there's a little something for everybody, you know, depending on what Bond you are. You know what? Yeah. What? Is, whatever one is your favorite one? You know, it's it's kind of like a strange type thing. Uh, I don't know if y'all are aware of uh, Jack Ryan. He's kind yeah, of like yeah, the yeah. American version of James Bond. I like the way they've done that because they have a different actor pretty much portraying him every time he shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, wasn't it the guy from The Office that portrayed him last time? Yeah, in the uh, yep, in the like a TV show. series. Or yeah, and that's yeah. this is really good too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we're. I've co- heard a lot of good things about it. Uh, also, uh, let's see who else. Who else? The. I think Chris Pine was in once. Chris Pine. Yeah. He was in one. Also, The Hunt for Red October. Yeah. Uh, way back when that was Alec Baldwin back in his younger days. Hair. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. I mean, he was always supposed to be Clancy's kind of like ongoing James mm-hmm. Bond type character. Which is yeah. really interesting because, like, that's that's the name that made Clancy. But honestly, going back and reading Clancy, I like the Rainbow books and I like the Ghost Recon books a lot better. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Rainbow is such a. It's weird in that it's you know it, it's 
uh, it's not quite a war book. It's a counterterrorism book, but it's it, it's the one where they're like, hey, what if we had a future where like all the like powers of the world got together and said like, hey, we're going to stop evil. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like that's the future I want. <laughs> Wait, so do you? Are there any nostalgic uh, or any properties that you would rather just go back and reread the old ones to see anything new? Uh, stars at this point until we get something like really spectacular with it. I like Chuck Wendig's books with it. I like uh, some of um, you know Ox Free Things, Alphabet Squad. Um, yeah. The honestly, like the Kylo Ren book, uh, made much more sense for Kylo Ren's character than Kylo Ren did in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I thought he he did his best for the material he was given. Adam Driver is a great I'm, actor, I'm but the same the, way, yeah. I'm the same way. I have a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah, because uh, he did what he you know. Yeah, and also like see, see, seeing him in other roles, like this, this guy has chops. It's just that he was giving some interesting scripts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it was. Uh, there's a few. I mean, I like a lot of '80s uh, cartoons. Strangely enough, you know, being a big Robotech fan, mm-hmm. um, I'm nostalgic enough to that that they remastered the series, and I still have these old DVDs with all the scratches and grain, and mm-hmm. that's how I want to watch it. <laughs> I don't even want it updated. Mm-hmm. I want it to look like the old show I saw on TV. Um, so sometimes, I mean, even going so far as that, like, no, I don't even want you to clean it up, which I think is what a lot of people in the Star Wars did when they brought out the new ones. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, we just want to watch the old one warts and all. There's uh, a project um, right uh, now that, uh, they're working on where I forget who it is. And I wish I could tell you, but there's a guy who actually has put in back in all the old scenes and yeah. the original stuff. Yeah, you're talking about it. I, yeah. I've heard of that. He's gone through. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I don't even. Well, I don't like it in between because, like, in, I don't want CGI Java in Episode Four. That's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this guy but, has done is taken yeah. away a, a lot of that stuff. But I just want you know, I just want Star Wars 1080p. Just increase fidelity a little bit. That's mm. all I want. <laughs> I think it's weird. Yeah. I think to sometimes i can i can see george lucas's conundrum because i think as an artist he was always never satisfied with what he could he he had a vision in his head Mm -hmm. and he was not satisfied with what he can pull off as an artist i completely understand that like there is you know i think that's every artist's struggle i have this i this grand vision in my head and when i am able to do a pull off is not yeah. really matching it, and so there's a sort of sense of dissatisfaction. So when the CGI came back around, mm-hmm. he was like, "You know what? I am going to do this the way I always envisioned it and put it out." Now you can argue all day whether or not he should have released both editions. I, I don't see why he couldn't. Just, I mean, back then, just throw both movies on one disc, yeah. and people can go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And he's actually upgraded the visual effects as you've gone along. Yeah. So when he released the first remastered. And then he released the second ones on Blu-ray or something, or, like, DVD. He kept redoing, like, Job of the Hut actually looks a little better. And each scene in that, in the original. Um, so, I understand why he did it. I don't... I think it was something that maybe he could have done just as a sort of um, personal project, like, mm-hmm. and maybe just released him, like, this is how I always wanted to see him. This is what I would have liked. And here you go if you're interested in seeing him. I, I know, I think the fact that he was like, no, I'm going to replace them all, I think was a bad 
part on his, the yeah. bad move on his part. Um, but I understand why he did it. So I never knock mm-hmm. him for why he did what he did. Yeah. Um, but I just think the idea of forcing it and not releasing the other ones was kind of, you know, defeating nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But, I'm know, one of those. I, I take the good with the bad because, you know, like whenever I watch the 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 fur the prequels uh a lot yeah. of people don't like those i actually do like them because it I, is I like different them. uh and to me star wars is star wars and it will always be star wars and it'll always have that place because i found it when i did at the age that i did and with the circumstances that i did but for instance whenever you know the prequels happened man i just really didn't like the way yoda looked in the mm. initial form, you know, and then later yeah. they went back and did the CGI yeah. to him. It actually looked to me to be a little bit more like what I was expecting yeah. instead right. of the weird looking, you know, uh, puppet. Yeah, it just didn't look like him to me. So that's one of those things where I take the good with the bad. I mean, yes, I don't like, you know, that I wish I could see a ver- the, the original version of the star wars you know i wish they you know put that out i doubt they ever will if they ever do they're gonna have a lot of people buy it i believe i Mm -hmm. I believe they're leaving money on the table not doing it but uh but then again you know there's some changes that i i I welcomed you know and especially like the updating of the effects stuff like that but then there was other stuff like the explosion of the death star i really liked shockwave yeah, I really liked that a lot more yeah. than the old pow, <laughs> firecracker, you know. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like I say, I take the good with the bad um, on that. Uh, speaking it's... of some Star Wars trivia, before I get into our second hour subject, did you know that canonically, uh, Jar Jar Binks, his father, is named George R. Binks? I did not know that. And he has he's, there's a whole comic about it. There's like a whole series. George, uh, I didn't think George was a Gungan name. It, it is now. Apparently, he was like he was one of the Gungans who were like uh, integrated in like Naboo Royal Society. So he was. There was um. Was a Gung- the, the thing is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. There's a Gungan wearing like a, like a Victorian suit. Was... <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious. They, uh, the thing about the Star Wars is when they made the prequels, I mean, and I, I think I talked about this a little bit on the stream on Sunday, um, that he, uh, those were like, the, the series is always supposed to be six parts, and he wrote these things years ago. Excuse me, in fact, when he got to the end, when they got to the end of the third movie and they're fighting on the lava planet, I actually knew that was coming. Because I've read these scripts. Mm-hmm. He published these scripts, like all the old scripts from the 70s in a book. Like, you can go find them. Yeah. Let them down. I, I always got the novelizations, like, before watching the movies. Because the right. no, novelizations are always at least six months beforehand. So when he did the prequels, I always think it's funny that they call them the prequels. Because they technically weren't prequels. They were lost episodes. Mm-hmm. They were already they're all written at the same time. It's not like he did you know, the original three, and then, like, went back and and wrote more of it. No, they were all written. He started at four and continued that. And, of course, he said that he was really upset because the storyline was supposed to be about the rise and fall and redemption of Darth Vader. And the the original trilogy made it more about the rise of Luke and Darth Vader's in the background. 
is that that was never the case. It was supposed to be a tragic, like a Greek tragedy tale yeah. of this sort of rise and like, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when he wrote the prequels, he's like, I want it. It's supposed to be much more Darth Vader story, which, of course, you see that much more as you go through yeah. the prequels and stuff. So when people call them prequels, I'm like, yeah, I guess technically, I mean, they w- it was already written. He mm-hmm. just went back with the technology and decided to finish yeah. what he'd written years ago. Yeah, well, that, that's one of the reasons that, why they're aged the, a little. But yeah. for us, you know, that's that's yeah. that's. That's how he would refer to. It. He wouldn't refer to them as prequels, but no, he you know, not. for he us, they're prequels. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I think I remember hearing that him say he picked out the the part of the story that he could actually accomplish with the budget that he had. Right, and uh, which I think is pretty crazy that he thought he could. I mean, because I mean, he's on the Death Star. You know, I mean. You know, they're, the yeah. characters are on a Death Star. There's all... I mean, it was pretty impressive what he was able to do, even with such a low budget. You know, I mean, uh, I, I thought that was pretty amazing what yeah. what he was able to do. Right. And... Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... It's, I mean, I, I don't think it's much of an argument that, say, Star Wars would not be as popular as it, as it was if it was not for the visual effects. I mean, it would still be popular, but that thing... Yeah, when you watch Logan's fans. Run, which came out <laughs> around the same time... Yeah. You know, I went, I watched that thing. I didn't see it back then. Man, there's just no comparison. No. Right. <laughs> I mean, in any way. All right. I mean, so we're going to take this thing. chance to switch over to our second hour. Uh, so, of course, we're going to thank our sponsors at uh, Daytona Beach Comic Convention, DaytonaBeachComicConvention.com. Get your uh, tickets, reserve your space, your premier location for all things comics, collectibles, and conventions in Daytona Beach. And History List, uh, where you can subscribe for a free weekly newsletter uh, where you get an article written by an actual story and delivered to your inbox every week. Uh, so we were just talking about... Uh, uh, sort of the idea of uh, longer running series versus uh, shorter series, and in uh, typical Tuesday show fashion, we got sidetracked talking about Star Wars. Uh, yes, so, we did. Uh, Aaron, you got a point there to end with, or it was like a Wednesday Star. It was like a Wednesday Star Trek rabbit we were chasing. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Wednesdays are known for somehow or the other getting on to Star Trek. For us, it's Star Wars. Uh, G.I. Joe or uh, yes. X-Men. Uh, yes. And He-Man tonight. <laughs> yep. Uh, Friend, Jeff, have, have any of you two ever read the Alien Legion comics? Kind of a weird segue. I have not. Uh, I have them uh, on my uh, wish list, though. Uh, on Comicsology, I think I found them. Because uh, they do... That was kind of one where I started out reading. Uh, I, I was funny. I remember I bought some some of them, they're kind of split in these sort of volumes like most comics, but there is a sort of age difference. They are pretty well go together, but you can see them kind of aging along. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one where I actually, as far as nostalgia factor, didn't mind the opening. I like them both equally. Yeah. Um, so it didn't really bother me, but some some do. Um, I was just like, if you like G.I. Joe and stuff, you'll love Alien Legion. It's one of my favorite comics. Yeah. I know in uh, comics right now, uh, my most recent favorite was um, a, a fresh new title that did have like, you know, set end, and that was Curse Words, uh, by Jeremy Soule. That was 
super fun. It's about uh, a wizard living in modern-day New York uh, who came over from my alternate dimensions trying to conquer, but he found a, a ballpark Frank and uh, fell in love with uh, the world as is and said, you know what, I'm going to fight for these ballpark Franks. Uh, <laughs> and, I remember I read the first volume of that, and did they end it? Because the first volume didn't... I, it wasn't kind of uh, it just wasn't my thing mm-hmm. uh but i didn't know that so they did in the series yes yeah it had a they and now you can get it as like a, a hardback oh it's a hardback okay yeah uh and right now macaron is uh department of truth which is it's i think coming up on a year of it now uh but it's through image by james tinian the fourth uh and that's an, another one where like you know it's written with an end in mind so I'm I've been enjoying it so far because uh, it's uh, they're not getting you caught up following like monsters of the week. It's like here's the detective story, here's his life, uh, here's how it ties into the plot, and here is each beat is moved through it towards the you know the big climactic moment. It's not now this week we're following, we're fighting lizard people. This week we're stopping a bank robber. Uh, That's kind of cool. Yeah, so I, I, I'm enjoying the cool uh different take on mandala space uh uh the idea that perception is a reality and uh uh the fun kind of like domestic spy story with it what what was that one about like was it called cover the cover or something or i don't know some image comment that came out recently it was supposed to like mix the real world with the world of comic books Oh, uh... I never man. read it, but I kept seeing the covers, and I always be curious if somebody did read it. It was, like, cover or something, or... I think I saw that. I don't know if I have read it. Uh... Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I... I'm so... I haven't been to a comic shop in a while. I'm sorry on my comic book local comic shops. Yeah. Uh, I usually get stuff to the library. I've, I've had... I bought a bunch of Wonder Woman omnibuses. Now that the slowest reader known the man, so that lasted me a few months. Um, but yeah, I've uh, been reading. Uh, uh, I found an old copy of Roland Man's Cat and Mouse, like one of his old nineties oh, yeah. comics. I've been yeah. reading that. Uh, I, I found some in a pawn shop. I bought them. Huh? Yeah. That was There's like cool. four of them. I got them. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, the yeah, the other thing that's new for me is I. It's uh, interesting enough. It's a comic that was just released as uh, the graphic novel, um, but it, it's not like a traditional graphic novel. Uh, but that's uh, Maddie by Duncan Jones. Uh, Sounds really familiar. Uh, Duncan Jones is the guy who did the movie Moon and a couple other things. Uh, okay. Yeah, but it's. Uh, about a like uh oh crossover is it crossover i think it's crossover is the book that's you're talking what about. i yes. think it is yeah. crossover that's yeah it. oh it's tawny cats yeah. of course and jeff shaw yeah uh if you yeah, haven't... i haven't read it yet but I, it yes. looked kind of interesting yeah donny cats is one of my favorite writer or we're currently working comic writers and jeff shaw is also great he did a book called god country which is outstanding um but uh yeah, it's just it's design. Uh, so it's uh, approached. It's a graphic novel written like a comic book, 
but it's approached from the same way you'd approach making a movie where you know that you have like two hours to tell your story in and out beginning middle and end Okay. Uh, so it is one of those things where it's it's fresh, it's complete, it's not going to lead into something long running. And honestly, I, I, as a, a reader now with limited time, I want my stories to be complete. That's like the main thing I look for is, am I getting the complete experience and to pick this up? What is this series called? Uh, it's just one book. It's called Maddie, Once Upon a Time in the Future. There was another book coming out that did the same thing called Red Room. I haven't read it yet. Mm. Apparently, it's like a horror comic. Um, with each one's a complete story. Okay, yeah. Um, so, do you... I mean... I don't know. It kind of seems like... I think we've talked about that before. I mean, sometimes I feel like, it, depending on the, the story, I feel like sometimes the stories are compressed or rushed to fit them into, like, one volume. Yeah. Um. So... It's just like my goblins is twelve issues because, and even at twelve yeah. issues, I feel some of it's kind of compressed. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's kind of like I, I kind of I think the for me like in in my head for whatever reason, uh, the breaking point between like lawn running and uh, well, I guess what would be contained what would be considered a, a contained story in the comics would be if you can fit it in and under six trades. Each containing, each containing like six chapters or six individuals, floppies. So okay. like, uh, once you get past that point, you're you're no longer like having like, uh, like a neat early book that you can like fit into one hardback. It's you you need two hardbacks or a whole lot of more space. To work I think up. I can, I think I can thrit, fit three hundred pages in a hardback. It's I'm not saying it's going to be a small one. <laughs> But I think we can do it. Well, I do like um, I, I do like some chunky hardbacks. I mean, the uh, House of X one it's it's kind of a chonker. And I also just got the um, uh, death metal hardback delivered. Ah, death metal. I've never read any of the death metal series. I've heard. Yeah. I mean, they're very popular. Yeah, I heard it's interesting. So I, heard, I I picked it up. That's also the only thing that will get me to read uh, DC now is if I can get a collected edition or a hardback. So I got yeah, the hardbacks. Yeah, so I got the hardback of uh, Death Metal, and I got the collected edition of uh, Superman Red Sun. Uh, Ooh! But I didn't will... they just make a, one of the animated movies? Yes. Off that. But I will. I, I never a day in my life will I pick up a Superman floppy, and you can hold me to that. <laughs> <laughs> you never will. Never. It's Superman's a hard character to write, just because yeah. you have to be very ingenious to give him problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically like, okay, we're writing about God and we have to give God problems. What kind of problems could God have? Uh, because he is, you know, so invincible and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll open this up. Uh, do you guys uh, like either creating or reading uh, stories that have kind of that that open room to grow where if they, if you give them 30 years, they will fill 30 years of issues? Or do you want it to be something that, you know, like in a couple sit downs, you can read through beginning to end? I think that almost depends on how the story takes me. Um, that's a good question because I like I was a big fan of Bone, mm-hmm. and I, there was a part of me that felt Bone kind of wandered a little too much. Like um, it just kind of kept going and going, and um, I don't know. I, I to me, I usually like stuff that ends rather that quickly, but I can consume it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of these people that 
if the series keeps going, I just kind of lose interest. I kind of like get what I got. I did that with Strangers in Paradise, which I know ended, but like I actually ended reading that series like further, like much further. I came to an issue like, oh, that's a good place to stop, and I just stopped. Maybe one day I'll go back and read the rest of it, but for some odd reason, I was just like, okay, I think I've had my fill of this. I'm gonna go do read other stuff now. Yeah, and that's just a personal thing I have. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the same way. Where if, if I lose, if something loses me and it's super long form, I'm I'm out. I'm not gonna struggle through. Like if I pick up something and I know it's a trilogy and the middle one's kind of weak, I'll power through yeah. it. But if I know like there's gonna be five more years of this, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I almost did that with Invincible. I was collecting the hardback Invincible comics. And um, I was almost about, God, I can't keep getting these things. They're expensive, and it's just going to go forever. And I almost sold them all and just, like, cut my losses. But then he basically said, I'm going to end it. So I'm like, all right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have them all now. Uh, Because I was like, I was really enjoying the the series. But I'm like, yeah, I'm like... I want to read other stuff. I, I'm one of these people, like, I think I, I, you know, I get into something, I get what I can out of it, and then I move on to something else more exciting. Yeah. I guess like a true artist, right? Never yeah. stick with one project. Ooh, look at the new shiny yes. thing. So. Well, it depends with me. Like, uh, I don't think I'd have ever stopped reading Spawn back in the day. I don't think I'd have ever stopped reading it, but there, it, it came to some issues that I couldn't get. And... And then, you know, I kind of all together moved to to other stuff. So I, you know, I got out of it, but I don't, I don't know what would have actually made me stop reading that. Um, there are some stuff, some things that I get tired of, you know, after a while, uh, and I do have to go do something else. But a lot of times now, you know, ever, I, I don't really... As I've said in the past, I don't really pick them up for character progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, I like a little bit of character progression, but, you know, that's not, like, essential to me. Essential to me is seeing cool stuff. Uh, I like cool stuff. I like for cool stuff to be happening. And, uh, you know, while the story is progressing, and, you know, if they're progressing through the story, that's fine. If if just a bunch of cool stuff is happening, that's fine. You know, and the story is, I don't, uh, I don't, what I don't like is, uh, a lot of filler and you Mm -hmm. could call the action and the cool stuff filler, but as long as it's cool filler, you know, this, this stuff where people are just trying to make things last longer and they're like making characters make, stupid decisions just because they want to make a story mm-hmm. you know you know that that kind of annoys me and i will drop something fast if there's too much of that going on yeah i think uh well there's something we talked about in our um i had done a, a film as literature class and uh talking about kind of the you know generic action movies that really took over like 2005 2008 uh uh and they kind of they created these concepts uh, uh, that you have to look for to figure out like which ones are objectively good, which ones are objectively not good. And the good ones did action to resolution to action. So that's something like you know your John Wick, where something incites it, you have action, something resolves, and then it goes back to action. It's like the John, especially the first John Wick movie. It's like a yeah. it's a yeah. it's an hour and a half firefight, but 
it is uh things resolve uh like uh, every so often so story is very simple yeah so there's not a lot of twist yeah there'll be moments where things will break down and resolve or like okay we meet this character okay we move with this character okay we find this thread okay it goes here but it, it, it's firefights all the way through whereas uh yeah something like fast five where it's a 90 minute driving sequence and then something might happen at the end <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. just action to action where there's no resolution driving it throughout so uh, I think Warren Ellis is really good at doing action to resolution in comics, especially he did one uh, Avengers: Endless War, where it's uh, it's a it's a uh, I got that as hardback as well, but it's a graphic novel where it, it's a graphic novel worth of Avengers fighting essentially Needhog, but um, uh, it'll it'll break to him when it's like I'm saying like oh uh, there's this weird thing with Shield here oh there's this thing with Hydra here oh blah blah blah. But it, it, it it's the action is carrying it through, and then just take moments to break and resolve. Whereas I think with some of the longer ones, uh, longer running, not contained stories, you'll get moments where it's just action to action, but over the course of like six issues. Uh, so you get you get Dragon Ball Z syndrome, where it's okay, they're powering it up now for two issues. They might do something. It's <laughs> like the cartoon. I remember. <laughs> A guy was trying to introduce me, one of my students was trying to introduce me to Dragon Ball. It was popular at the time. This is when I was teaching. And it was, uh, uh, and they got in this scene and it's like the whole, you know, for like five minutes I was trying to watch this and they was just going back and forth between Ah! their faces, kind of, with sweat coming down their faces, and I was like, man, I can't, I can't watch this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and I know it was cool. A lot of people like it, but that's how I was introduced to it. And they were in midair, by the way. Yes, of course. Yeah. And they were stopped and it would just kept going back and forth to each of their faces, <laughs> you know, and it, I just couldn't, I couldn't stay with it. But I, I want, what I wanted to say was this, you know, John Wick and uh, other ones like John Wick, you know, they get a lot of uh, flack for being what they are, being action, like you were talking about, action to action. And, you know, yeah. everything doesn't, some things just got to be, they just have to be fun, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I like a good deep story and get involved with characters, but at the same time, you know, you got to have some stuff that's just, you know, in and out, you know, and just, wow, that was great. You know, mm-hmm. that was a great ride. And, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have, everything shouldn't have, like, a, you know, depth and height and width. You know, some stuff just needs to be cool. I, I think does, they fill a good space. My only pushback on that would be, and this is my own personal opinion, uh, if there's no, if you, if you don't really establish the characters or develop a stake yeah. in what's happening, then all the explosions and stuff flying around just becomes... I agree. you got to have something to hold it um, together. This is this is one of my big problems with a lot of... I think a lot of movie plots nowadays are overly complicated. And I'm not really sure why. Um, I mean, look, you look at like one of, one of my all-time favorite action movies, Die Hard. Pretty mm-hmm. simple premise. Uh, but like you, then you take a look at like one of the Marvel movies, and there's like these intricate plots. When I'm just like, you don't need to be this intricate and like all of this stuff. And so, 
Um, I, I sometimes feel like a lot of movies put so much stuff in there where I'm like, look, just just focus on the simple, basic story and just tell it effectively. John Wick, I think, does that well. Yeah. People killed his dog. It's getting revenge. Yep. This yeah. is Kill nothing else to really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John Wick is also one of those where it will hide. It's really effective at, at hiding the fact that it's action to resolution, that it's not just action to action. And the way that yeah. it, it, it tells everything where, you know, I, oddly enough, Dragon Ball Super kind of hit this way. And I feel like that's why Dragon Ball Super kind of, you know, reclaimed a lot of people who uh, were not into GT or like the other Dragon Balls that came after Z. Uh, it's because <laughs> Dragon Ball Super have moments where uh, it's this is also a fun one to like introduce people to or to ignore because you have like, OK, so there's this man talking to God about the nature of power. And okay, he just punched a man through a moon. That moon is now in half. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, there are moments where the, they'll have moments of resolution, but they'll effectively hide it with, you know, uh, the the spectacular action that helps propel it or make it feel more fast paced. So uh, the bath uh, the bathhouse scene in uh, John Wick One, going from the club into the bathhouse yeah. in the back, that's a really good example of you know you have bunch of tension, bunch of build-up, uh, action being, okay, you know, you know there's going to be more action to come, but action, and it goes in. Uh, scene resolves in the bathroom, information is given, okay, we have our next beat forward, and then more action unravels, all the tension that got built up in the uh, first half of that sequence. So it's really good of doing action to resolution to action. Uh, and so it's still this high octane. Moving like, you from one battle arena to the next. But it, it hides bits of plot in <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also yeah. why people really like the Dark Souls games. Because uh, the world building all happens in the action. It all happens in... Uh, or when you cut to uh, spending five hours trying to figure out where to spend your souls. And then you find a lore item on your sword. And you're like, oh, this is neat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think John Wick is also was really good at world building i I don't think john work would have been as successful if not for the world building of the type of assassin's world they built i mm-hmm. think that was smart in their move it would yeah. have been just another generic action movie even yeah. with the action being as good as it was it would not have had success if it wasn't like no. you had the coins and you had the hidden assassins mm-hmm. and the, the continental that added this whole sort of like oh this is like way more going on yeah um so i think that was good yeah i think there's a lot of Sometimes that's one of my problems, even with comics and a little bit with the Marvel movies, is your action resolution. Is even though you complete the movie, there's somewhat of a revolution, but there's always stuff going forward. And that's my biggest problem with comics, too. Yeah. Like, if people go, like, would you start with comics? And I'm like, start reading them anywhere. I was like, would you finish comics whenever you get tired of them? Like, there's no beginning and real end. Yeah. I mean, you could, I had one person who was like, I knew, who was like, well, I'm going to read every Batman comic out there. I'm going to start, like, Batman number one. And I'm like, no, don't. She's like, mm-hmm. why? And I'm like, look, you don't need to do that. Just read whatever you want. As long as you know he's the Dark Knight, his parents are murdered, and he's Batman. There's just really nothing mm-hmm. else to really go on. Yeah. And so, yeah, but in that in that way, I usually, you know, I kind of, that's what I think, like I said, most nostalgic readers, it's like, you know, after Claremont left the X Men, I was like, oh, I guess I'm done. Yeah. What I can out of this, I'll go on. Yeah. So yeah. I think, uh, so I, I kind of fall as an outlier as an X Men reader, in that I, I liked Brewbreaker over Claremont for the most part. I did Claremont had good runs. He's very good. Yeah. But well, he's one that really uh, established yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. You know, beyond. But I think um, in terms of being a good writer, being a tighter writer, uh, Brewbreaker had it. 
and I'm talking about here with John Wick. I think what John Wick did also really successfully is in their world building, uh, they did not expo dump. There are moments where uh, we're like, okay, we're in the Continental now. Okay, everyone's an assassin. Okay, this guy gives you guns. They're not explaining why he's there, why this got set up, or whatever. Whereas, and um, uh, you do that uh, if you're forced to tell a story in two hours or you know you only have so many issues to do it. It's like, okay, you're not being allowed to do a long run. Uh, that forces you to do that really efficiently. Whereas with mm-hmm, yeah. if you're doing a long run, you're like, okay, we're going to take an issue here just to explain whatever. And I felt like, especially with the Shi'ar stuff, Claremont did that. Where everyone's were like, okay, here's like five panels, but with uh, like a similar really levels of text explaining Shi'ar things. Oh, I will be the first one to yeah. say that, that Claremont, I, I like his storytelling like his but his writing could be atrocious i mean i can't count how many times we're like i never understood in the battles like storm's gonna like i need to freeze the water just right so it expands and and destroys this vessel therefore i give it and like she'll explain this as she's doing it <laughs> yeah. which i know she's got to explain to the reader all this cool stuff you could do but it's like claremont you can just show some cool stuff yeah he he over explains i mean he is like the king of like okay there's a book in this comic yeah. And uh, he's because he writes a ton. Yeah, yeah. I thought he did a good job with character building or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's exposition happy. He yeah. loves that stuff. Yeah. And that really actually showed when he came back to do. I think the Extreme X Men. Mm. Oh he yeah. Came back to do that, and I tried to read it. There was that one, and then he did. They did a series that wasn't extreme, but it was supposed to like pick up right where he left off in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And I tried reading that, and that didn't wasn't i don't know if it was just too much time had passed yeah. or if you're not grown as a writer or what but i remember reading that going like man this just isn't really good or whatever so yeah that's especially coming off of like you know a, a bfa program where everything is like show don't tell especially in a visual yeah. medium uh word efficiency uh understanding like your strong words versus your weak words strong voice versus weak voice and then you get yeah almost like reading claremont i'm like wow this is everything is taught not to do <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I usually it's funny, I will say the same thing on like Chris Claremont, I think not Chris Claremont, Frank Miller. I think Frank mm. Miller had his moment. Um and I think he has gotten this is kind of the danger of, of writers. Yeah. Where he everything sounds like Chris Claremont and he applies it to everything even when it doesn't fit. Like you go, yeah. Okay, you know, your writing fits great. Sin City, great. Now you started writing the Batman All Stars again. Yeah, the Sin City writing doesn't work with the Batman. Mm-hmm. And he so he kinda got to this mode of writing Where which works yeah. for certain genres, but other genres like Exactly. Not, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't I think work. That's yeah, also another uh, pitfall you might run into doing super long runs where you're trading out staffers on stuff is you're gonna you know, like, hey, this guy's really big right now. We uh, we should get him, says the guy in marketing who's not consulted any of the editors or anyone who handles uh, the creative team. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's yeah. There's definitely tones of writers. There's certain writers that I think have been good, and there's yeah. Um, like I, I didn't think Josh Whedon always made the great. I think he fits certain genres with his very snarky writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's other ones like. I can't really see Josh Whedon doing like a straight up horror movie without right. the one person also kind of said, did you, you read Strangers of Paradise, Terry Moore and stuff, all that, right? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so he did some sci-fi one, and this is where his writing started to bite him a little bit. Like, Strange in Paradise is great. He was born to write that stuff. And then he did Echo, which is a sci-fi one. Yeah. And it was basically her in the spacesuit, but every character talked like they were in the Strange in Paradise comic. So it was like Strange in Paradise, a sequel, except that it's a spacesuit in the back. Yep. Okay. He did the same thing with this horror, Rachel Riser. I started reading it, and I was like, oh, this horror character building stuff that he does where I'm like I know you what you're trying to do here but it's not working because you your writing is very good for a specific genre and you keep switching genres and it keeps biting you I'm the same way I mean I like to write horror I don't think I'd be very good at it mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I would I don't know I mean I certainly think there's certain things that I like to write or not um, but yeah some people would just go in and like I can write anything and it's like you, you, you really can't yeah. uh that was so, th- that's why I'm glad that uh, so far people have read Wolfhunter have liked it as much as they have. Because uh, the most soul boil type stuff I get is uh, writing horror. Like, that's, that's typically what I do. Normally, my other stuff is, you know, ultra violence, person busts into a room, uh, cyber- yeah. cyberpunk arms, roaring guns going off. Uh, but. Uh, uh, if someone if someone has like read the alien comics or watched the like alien like movies, there's definitely like some plot elements I may have stolen <laughs> to make it a slow burn like the first alien, where it's like, there's yeah yeah. Uh, also yeah, uh, I mention this every time, but uh, is it everything I, that way though? Yeah, I, I I read so much John Le Carre and like watched Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy so much going into this, just trying to like, okay, slow burn spy, slow burn spy. <laughs> So is your is your is your you're finished finished writing Wolf Hunter? You're just yeah. getting it illustrated right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just have some uh dialogue edits to do on issue three once we have text or images there. Uh I can get those for whoever will be lettering it. Uh and then we're waiting on stuff back on the Christmas special. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what I'm working on. Are, are you working on that? Special. Yep. Yep. The Christmas special of Doom. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to beat the deadline. No. How's that working out? Coming along good. I'm a uh, three of six. That's cool. Yeah, I don't. But I'm also going to be coloring it too, so <laughs> we'll see if that's good. Yeah, uh, I don't. I think they're still trying to find an inker for obsolete. I'm not sure if he's found one. I haven't heard anything, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, because I turned in my uh, Christmas story, and so we'll see uh, how that comes along. I'm not sure who he's finding. We have a colorist. We just don't have an inker yet. Mm-hmm. So so if you want but... to do art or writing for Silverline Comics, please go to our website and send your submission in. We do have open submissions. Yeah. Are we, are we still taking submissions? Uh, our, uh, yeah. Uh uh, a few people had to leave for different things, or people to be swapped around. So we, if anyone wants to work on something, we're always looking for people to work on stuff, especially on like the art side of things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We uh we could really use any colorists, inkers, even pencilers. I mean, you know, hey. Yeah. Uh, if you got You'll stuff. You'll never be as amazing as as uh, Quentin. As me. I mean... Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. The um, 
I had a few. Maybe I, you know, I've been thinking of some people might ask to like the other hat in the ring, maybe if they want to. So, there's a lot of people that I know that they do amazing stuff, but they are just so busy doing life and other things. Oh yeah, you know they just can't uh, make that leap. Uh, life is overrated. Commit. Yeah. 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 All right, so uh, I guess we'll uh, uh, change gears a little bit here. So uh, obviously working at Silverline, since we're talking about this, uh, when we pitch something as a writer or uh, as an artist, typically that you know the idea is three to four issues. Um, it'll go to trade, and then if it if it does well, might look at it more in the future. But for the most part, that's that's kind of it. And that's like, uh, you know, the expectation is to maybe make it a little bit longer, but those are kind of yeah. uh, decided after the fact. So, so do you guys, uh, working like that, knowing that you're like, okay, great, I'm doing this. And then I get to do something like brand new after that. Or, uh, do you think it'd be fun to work on something where like, all right, I'll be doing this for the next 12 years of my life. <laughs> I don't know. You know, right now I... We'll see how this goes, but I almost think I'd like to do something new. Like, I do my, my four issues and then try something new. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if it takes off and, it, and we've got some cool ideas. Um, just because, like, I've I've been drawing, like, my Goblins comic here for, like, f- five years now. Mm-hmm. Maybe six years. So, even that, I'm getting, like, you know, I'm a pro at drawing these characters, but, you know, I'm, like, kind of burnt out. So, I'd like to draw something new. So the idea of going back into a series right now and doing the same thing I did with this was like, say, obsolete or something. Nah, I think I might like to mix it up a little. <laughs> and that's just burnout because I've stuck with this series for so long. So. Well, with me going from Trumps to um, to this, this is fantasy uh, kind of... Hmm. Yeah, I'd just say fantasy. Whereas Trump's was kind of sci-fi, fantasy. Um, yeah. Honestly, I see Trump's. The more I look at it, the more I've invested myself in it, the more I think it is kind of... You could almost put some Star Wars characters in there, and they yeah, would actually yeah. fit. Now, granted, you'd have to put like a club symbol or a diamond symbol on them somewhere, you know, but mm-hmm. I mean... As far as the technology and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, some may not get that, but I know me as an artist, when I was work, uh, as when I'm working on it, it kind of feels a little bit uh, that way. It's but this being fantasy, I really like the change, um, and I w- this is actually fantasy and with horror elements, and uh, there's no telling what the future is going to bring for this particular title night rise so um i think it's i I like to switch around um i can't really think of anything you know i don't think i would be real strong at stuff like kalis maybe maybe you know like when you get when you present day stuff i don't know hard to say you're like me i usually draw um, fantasy or sci-fi. Rarely yeah, like I can do X Files type stuff, but if you put me on a book that's like X Files, I, I just I can't really say. I, you know, I can do heroes and stuff, 
So I can do present day stuff like that, I guess. But you know, my I don't know. Really go to superheroes. I mean, I, even my friend. I think I told you I started drawing this ghost submission for uh, Dark Horse. Their series Ghosts, like their big submission. Uh, and I remember drawing it. My friends like, I look, dude. I'm just not trying to be rude, but I just don't really think your art style goes with superheroes. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, but I think it goes with other stuff. No. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say, I can do present day stuff, but it just depends on what you're getting me to do. If you're getting me to do stuff like, uh, like say, you know, crime type stuff or noir, no. If you put me on a battlefield somewhere on the earth currently, you know, with the G.I. Joe type thing. Oh, yeah. I was going yeah. to say, yeah. say uh, um, what you did with that last pinup you did yeah. with the soldier, I was thinking that actually, I could see you doing that. Yeah, see, I could do that. But if you got people in suits and daily life, you know, slice of life stuff, uh, you know, what? I just don't think I could do it. What, what, what about a combination of both? Say uh, someone working for an accounting firm, but they do accounting for supervillains, and the supervillains are not happy for them. So they got mercenaries and Magneto look like it's breaking down the door, but they're just a bunch of accountants. <laughs> I could do it. I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I really have to feel it. You know, whenever I'm reading something, I have to like get, a, you know, like some cool images come in. That's just, that's just the way I work. And if I can get that, then uh, I'm on board. You know, I will suffer through <laughs> The suits and the couches and the ferns in the corner. I will suffer through all that just to get to the coolness, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> I'll, I'll send you something after you finish your book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't know you were just auditioning for a new project exactly. there, Quentin? <laughs> I didn't wow. know that. See, no, I didn't. See, it's, uh, this is the the next level. You have the elevator pitch. This is the surprise pitch where somebody signs onto a project before they know they were heard a project. <laughs> <laughs> Good it's stuff. Like, what am I doing today? Well, Quentin, <laughs> <laughs> you're doing this. Dot dot dot. Yeah. Alrighty. So uh, we are uh, coming up on time here. Uh, and for the last uh, hour 45 abouts, we've been talking about, uh, uh, you know, the idea fresh things versus nostalgic things, uh, lawn runs versus, uh, you know, small in and out stories or smaller, still takes like, two years to tell. Um, and so, uh, we're going to get some, some finishing thoughts here and then wrap things up. So, uh, thinking back on you know some of your favorite breeds uh comics specifically um for me personally like my my favorite reads have always have actually been the the small like you know single graphic novel or trade back it hasn't i i love x-men but they haven't got like a thing that like uh uh sticks with me as much as like you know they're they're one shots or like if they uh, do something that is only going to run for a year, um, the the long running ones don't really grab me as much. So, uh, I mentioned earlier, my favorite ones being 
uh, now. Uh, curse words, Tower of Truth, and my favorite uh, one-year X-Men run is the uh, X-Force with Spurrier and Rocky Kim. That was something they, they pitched. Like, we're going to do X-Force. We're going to do 15 issues. This is how we're going to do it. We're not going to go beyond that. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you, uh, from your perspectives, what uh, have been some of your favorite comic reads? Have they been shorter, either like contained runs or just single graphic novels, or have they been um, segments or the entirety of something that has gone on for multiple years? Or uh... my mine has got to be short runs. All my bookshelf is filled with short runs. I think some of my all time favorite Bone. Uh, really a big fan of a. Uh, um, Life and Times of Martha Washington. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah, I, I would have uh, to say short on my part. Yeah, uh, as far as stuff that I I collect and go out of my way to buy, and any more of my buying habits would be kind of self either self contained stories, or if something looks interesting, I buy the, I buy the trade. Uh, but yeah, very rarely do I do long runs. I, you know, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the only other long run series I got into relatively was New Warriors, and I actually have almost all that. I still have most of that series, almost all of it. Yeah. Um. So, but majority of everything else, I think, is like, you know, Apple Seed is only four volumes. You know, the, you know some yes. of my favorite single volumes. That's always kind of what I stray to. Again, I and I don't know, maybe it's that has to do with me being an artist where I'm like I'm just looking for new visual ideas new different mm-hmm. something to inspire me as long as I like the story but something to inspire me and you can't always get inspired reading the same thing over so I think that could be me being an artist yeah yeah and I'm I'm just so art centric I mean I, I can't really you know it's hard for me to be like a lot of uh, readers you know I'm just so art centric on stuff you know yeah. at um you know, once they change an artist, then I'm. It's kind of on thin ice for me. You know, it's you know, it better be good. You better bring, you know, you better bring it uh, after that. And if it ever comes to, a, so I would say short runs, uh, just just because two reasons. One of them is is at some point they're going to change to somebody that I just you know it's just not yeah. going to work for me. Secondly. You know, I I can't really invest enough, or I won't invest to get back issues if I'm late on something. I'll just wait, and then I'll get the trade short run. You know, uh, so you know, like for instance, I love, uh, and I probably should have said this earlier. I can't wait to get the trade for Dark Knight's Metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want I want to read that. I've I've listened to some of the stuff on YouTube about it. I even own some of the figures. I'm really excited about it. It looks like it's just dripping with coolness and stuff that's right up my alley. So, you know, again, short run, yeah. uh, you know, I'm all in. Uh, long stuff, you know, it's just too many problems. It just doesn't fit my lifestyle uh, or my needs or wants. Yeah. And it's also kind of maybe the, the double-edged blade is once you get into – making comics you don't have time to read a whole lot of comics uh yeah yeah or none yes (laughs) i can collect figures and miniatures and stuff like that but you know it's really hard for me to i try not to read too much while i'm working on a project because i don't like to uh get off you know uh 
on a tangent and lose track of what I'm doing, you know, or mm-hmm. try to get, I'm the world's worst about seeing something cool and something. And then it translating over somehow goes in row over here and it comes back out over here and into my stuff. And it's like, that's not good. No. <laughs> you know, I had a boss that way. He, I remember he saw worth in a studio. He saw went out and saw Prometheus <laughs> and apparently I just like changed his life. And so we need to redesign everything to look like Prometheus. I'm like, look, dude, can we just finish what we got? No, we need to redo all this. Like, That's so. such an interesting choice too. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I personally, I, I did not, I cannot stand Prometheus. Um, and then there's a lot of people who don't like it. Uh, but it, I just remember he would go out and see things and be like, Oh, now we got to do this. And, there were sometimes I almost kind of cringe when he's going to see a movie or yeah, even a concert or something. Because I know yeah. he was getting ready, he come back and change everything. I was like, ah, it's more work for me. See, that's one of those things again that I just you know that's a different thing to me. As long as it's a different thing, yeah, you know, I can do it. Uh, but if it's you know, if they would have ever said, well, this is the prequel to Aliens, you know, or something definitely just came out and said it then i would be like well wait a minute well if you say that there's a lot of problems here because now you have to totally change a lot of stuff you know yeah i just didn't think i never needed to go back and be explained i have i, does, I can go on for a i am with yeah. that too i yeah. think the issue with a lot of stuff nowadays is they tell too much they explain too much you know, whatever happened to the, just the guy like me who goes out of his door and all of a sudden meteors are coming from the sky. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't, right. I, there's no way I could possibly tell in any length of time that, you know, there's aliens actually flinging these things at us, you know. Yeah, that's, I just, uh, yeah. We had this line at Silver Lane Wednesday Night Wham is, um, uh, you know, writing something or telling a story, you're, you know, you, you get plenty of, uh, you have to earn them, but you do get plenty of, chi- of chances just to have your audience buy into something. And you can take advantage of that just to have the character say, like, it works because it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the whole thing with, uh, Tony, uh, uh, you know, uh, Obadiah Stone asking why uh, the suit works. And it's like, <laughs> it's, well, it works because it's Tony Stark. That's <laughs> Yeah. 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 Because reasons, uh, that saying. I love that saying. Because yeah. reasons. <laughs> I I had uh in Wolf Hunter, um, you know, they're finding stolen contraband on a train. Uh, not quite contraband, but spoilers. Um, uh, and uh, you know, you know, naturally at the end of issue one, I think like, why don't they just like you know stop everything and uh, you know, search all the luggage and everyone like. And so I, there's one there's one box of text where it says like we're carrying goods to the war effort we can't stop also there's a law against that <laughs> like all right there done problem solved <laughs> yeah well, sometimes you just have to go with I know a lot of people watch movies and be like why would they do that I'm like I don't know that's just the choice they made mm-hmm. uh, yes anybody could watch a movie and see something do a stupid choice that results in a death in a movie and think why didn't they do this and why didn't they do that I'm like I don't know because that's just the choice they made mm-hmm. you kind of got to go with that I mean yeah. you just got to go with like he made a stupid choice he got killed well, that's the um, thing with uh, like uh, 
the heart like the the joker like the heart the hard movie bad decision like well, why do you go in there yeah. well he's in an irrational situation he's going to be thinking irrationally <laughs> right and not yeah. only that because it's like if everyone thought irrationally no one would die and we wouldn't have really a horror movie would mm. we yeah we got to kill these people somehow i mean that's the whole point right yep but <laughs> uh and then uh the opposite end of that approval like the the common defense of why didn't the eagles carry the hobbits is like well it'd be a bad movie there is an actual reason that you get into detail in the Silmarillion. It's because the eagles actually don't care that much. <laughs> they live in a different mm-hmm. continent. If Middle Earth goes to crap, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. So I think you get one favor and that's it. Mm-hmm. I just assumed the eagles weren't even a part of it until they came in at the end because they they decided to like help out at the last minute. That's, that's, I mean, I was yeah. the eagles. That was how it should have ended episode, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the, the eagles yeah. coming in. And... Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so this has been uh, a Tuesday show. We have been your uh, talking heads today. Make, Make mine Silverline. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.